Hey everybody, it's April 28th, 2022. I'm Dorinda Trick. You've just tuned in to this week's episode of Nurtured to Love. This is a weekly look at how God made us spirit, soul, and body, and what difference it makes. How you can discover who you truly are and your divine purpose for living when you know who you are in your spirit. It's great to be with you all again this week. And we are beginning to wind down the book entitled Opening the Gift. Today we will be in chapter 11. But before we begin that, I'll share this week's fingerprint of God. Um, This week's fingerprint of God actually occurred while I was sleeping last night. I had three uh, really interesting dreams. And uh, the first one was uh, of seeing a huge eagle And I was out in nature. I was actually out on the property, which is the campus of the church I attend. And I was out there playing with some dogs, with some friends of mine. They had their dogs. We were playing. And we looked across the way, and there was this really huge eagle. And I mean huge as in bigger than any big bird you may have ever seen. It was clearly a supernatural thing. And it was huge. It was just perched uh, maybe on the ground or a branch that was close to the ground and just in complete stillness, right? And then very slowly it began to lift up and flap its wings and fly away. And um, if you don't know this, one spiritual meaning for eagles is strength, spiritual strength. So it was a real shot in the arm for my spirit to have that kind of dream last night. Um, And I felt loved by God and very strengthened by God. You can get a fingerprint from God even at night while you're sleeping. It's really a time when you have the ability to receive in your spirit um, very well because your body is asleep. And as we've learned in this study, your soul depends on your body for expression. So if your body is asleep, your soul is certainly subdued. And this gives your spirit a chance to have a clearer connection to Holy Spirit, because your soul is not in there judging and chatting away and sort of gumming up the works. So look for fingerprints even while you're sleeping. God may give you a fingerprint in your dreams. Now we're going to start uh, with today's uh, chapter called The Ultimate App, Your Call in God. And this begins on, on, it's again chapter 11, in opening the gift, uh, actually the page is 105. So we're going to look again at what this redemptive gift is. Your redemptive gift, and remember the list of the gifts is in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, is your spiritual identity. Okay, you've had an identity in your life, perhaps several identities or different roles in your life, wife, mother, student, worker, ministry leader, cheerleader, president, um, you know, organizer, whatever. Those would be soulish and I don't mean that in a negative way, but your spiritual identity speaks to your DNA from God, and it does rest in the deepest part of your being, the only part that carries a portion of God's light. It's your bent 
So your redemptive gift is going to represent your spiritual identity and it is your bent. You always, you know, have this bent. Each person has a primary bent. Um, and it will help you to understand why you think and feel the way you do. It accounts for that, truly. Freedom and fulfillment come when you live according to design. We've talked about that already, but it certainly bears repeating. Your design came from God, your, your ultimate, your most foundational design. And so your fulfillment in life is really going to hinge on how much you are operating according to God's design, because in the design is His anointing, His empowerment for living and for accomplishing things, again, that are on His agenda. Insecurity about God's mind on the subject of your identity brings negative emotions. And before I came into this, I certainly was insecure about who I was. Once I began to understand that redemptive gift of mercy, redemptive gift of profit really um, captures most of what makes me me primarily, and that that is my bent from God, I began to release feelings of guilt that i had had over the years as I compared myself with other people, particularly, you know, other women who many of them that I knew at the time in my church culture were servants, um, and they were great women, very mature believers. Many of them had walked with the Lord for many years, but they were servants. And so their their passion and what fulfilled them was not my passion and what fulfilled me. Uh, what is my passion and fulfills me is what I'm doing right here on this podcast. So um, I'm grateful to God for that. God's okay with you understanding you first. And that's where a lot of people get mixed up. And uh, I came to the Lord late in life. I was 38. It's not late, late, but it's a little bit late, right? I had already gone through all of my education and had been working uh, a number of jobs and then entered my true, my true profession. Um, and so I really figured that as soon as I accepted Christ, it had to be all about serving other people. And so I got close to burnout pretty quick. Um, it, you know, it didn't happen immediately, but it didn't take too many years. As a professional counselor serving people, you know, every day in that capacity, um, doing more of that in my uh, church life was really a recipe for burnout for me. So please hear me when I say this. God is okay with you understanding you first. God loves you and wants the relationship that you have with him and that you have with you to be good, to be healthy, to be balanced, to be life-giving. And then, as you've heard me say before, but it bears repeating again, then you're in a position to do that second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Now I'm kind of trotting through the pages, and this is 106. We're looking at four points on this page. We're talking about the first and the second commandment. The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 
What people need to understand is that God wants us to receive His love first so that we can obey His first commandment first. You know, all I know is that this is a dynamic which is a spiritual dynamic between you and the Lord. And as you begin to recognize God's love for you, you will begin to feel very seen by God, even understood by God, of course, and then loved by God, cherished and valued by God. So there are many things that I noticed during the years that I was lost before I came to faith. I noticed things, um, but I didn't really attribute them to God or God's desire to be in relationship with me, right? Later, after I came to faith in Christ, the Lord reconstructed my life. You know, my biggest testimony being the thing I shared at the beginning of this book, which was at a moment when I thought I would be better off dead, God spoke the words, choose life to my spirit. I heard coming up from the deepest part of me, those two words, choose life. And I was able to move away from the suicidal thoughts and reach out for help, which I did. And I began a process of rebuilding my nervous system again with help and blessedly married my husband not too long after that, met and married him. And God was really beginning to draw me to him through his grace. Uh, And so God is drawing even those in your life that don't know him, he's drawing them to him through his grace. Um, I was, you know, again, very lost and I was partying all the time. And I was in New Orleans, Louisiana one time. And I was, again, inwardly really uh, feeling a desperation about life, had not met someone to love, no one to build a life with, and was getting very weary of the partying lifestyle that I had been in for way too many years. And um, so went and sought truth from a palm reader, because at that time in my life, that was, you know, that seemed legitimate, valid, not a problem. I, you know, any input I could get in my life, I was ready to take. And uh, the palm reader said, you, your spirit has almost been crushed. And uh, likely, of course, that palm reader was not a believer in Christ. I think that's pretty safe to say. But God still used the words of truth that that man spoke because truth is made to land in your spirit. Did I know I had a spirit that was different from my soul at that time? No, I did not. Did I know that my spirit was the place or the landing pad for truth in my life? No, I did not. But I've never forgotten those words. And even though they were painful to hear, you know, they brought a small measure of freedom. And I would say a baby step toward my salvation, because truth is what unlocks us. We get bound up when we are not in truth, when we, when the light of truth is not, is not pervading our lives and our beings and our relationships. So whenever darkness, you know, like a cloud starts to move across in our lives, we need to be diligent, right, to find out what that is, examine that cloud, examine that darkness, and go to the Lord and and be willing to be vulnerable with the Lord and be transparent and ask Him, what's going on here? I can feel that dark shadow coming across. I was living in the shadows at that time. So it was a really wonderful, wonderful thing for me 
uh, when I came into this understanding of the human spirit that God didn't ever expect me to love Him first. He wanted to show me how much He loved me. And that is so consistent with Scripture, is it not? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that Uh, whoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life so God wants to give you love in your spirit and build you up in that in in that deepest part of you so then you will love him with everything that's in you and that is obeying the first commandment right so that is something important to get clear that God's sequence is we receive first first commandment only works that way after we have received the love of God, for only God is love, we are not. You'll see more of who God is when you let Him show you who you are. Now, as, even as I speak that those words, you know, of course, everybody can understand the English words I just spoke, but it can still seem like quite a mystery. I wish I could, you know, take care of the the awkwardness of that for you, I really can't. All I can tell you is I know standing on the other side of this that it's so true that you're going to see who God is when you let Him show you who you are. He is in you. And you are so much, you have so much more in common with God than you might have ever thought. That seems like a kind of an odd thing to say perhaps, but, but when you see who you are, you begin to see, absolutely, you're, I'm made in God's image, right? There's no doubt about it. And then the second commandment will flow with joy. But all these other requirements really do need to be uh, met. You need to, um, you need to uh, recognize that you have a spirit and then receive in that part of you from the Lord. And just simply quieting yourself, just getting really quiet Um, and just saying, you know, God, you know, if you're out there, I want to hear from you. God is absolutely about, about that. He wants to show you how real he is, how close he is and begin that relationship with you that you cannot have any other way. Right. Yeah. Now we can move on to page 107. Christians keep trying to get identity and legitimacy from other Christians And they really are about to burn out. And that's what I was saying earlier. Um, They're blind to the fact that God is passionate to give them all the identity and legitimacy they, they could ever hope for in Him. Identity and legitimacy. They really are a function of the human spirit. We've gotten all hung up because we can't truly give to another person, even God, until we've received His love in our spirits, in the unique way and the beautiful way that He has designed us to. And then once we do, we're in a position to love Him back with all that is in us. Like, you've heard me talk about my receiving from God, His love through fingerprints He gives me in nature. I live up here on a river, and we have a lot of, you know, wildlife around us, of course, birds and trees and and. Um, The sky up here is really beautiful. The river is really powerful. There are a lot of uh, barges that come back and forth on this uh, leg of the river where we are. And and that's a a symbol of power, I would say, that I I really received um, from the Lord. I mean, that may sound, sound again kind of odd, but when I see these... uh, 
vessels in the water and I hear the hum and the sort of the low roar of the of the motor and the engine of these barges um, there's something about that that activates my spirit they're moving they're carrying cargo uh, some are carrying cargo some are empty going to pick up cargo and there just seems to be something about that that um, reflects the kingdom of God the movement the 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 purpose driven nature of it and um, over the years living up here 10 years now um, when I see the barges sometimes even at night I'll hear them while I'm in the bed at night our um, bedroom is very close to the river itself and we're up high but I can still hear that roar that movement that progression even in the night and it reminds me that the kingdom of God never sleeps that even when things seem stagnant in your life, you must remember, and your spirit can get this, your spirit just needs to minister it to your soul and your body, that, you know, to, to take peace and keep peace because God is moving. Even now, with all the things we see in, in the earth, the things that are so uh, heart-wrenching, God is moving. He is still moving. He is still working. He never stops working. That's what Jesus told us, and it's true. The passion, and here we go, the passion that God has deposited in you, it will never die. Why? Because it is of Him, and this makes it eternal. So even if you've never felt you could do the things God says you can do, the nurturing of your spirit with the truth of how God made you will enable you to grow right where you are. Yes. There's no deeper, more fundamental identity than this, the part of God's eternal nature in you, your spiritual DNA, it's your redemptive gift. And you know, I'll just tick them off again. They are prophet, servant, teacher, exhorter, giver, ruler, and mercy. They parallel a number of sevens in scripture. There's so many sevens. The, the seven days of creation, we can go to those and to see parallels between the gifts and their characteristics and those days, what was created on those days or what God did on those days. Um, we also know there were seven sayings of Christ as he hung on the cross. We can go to those sayings. There were seven again, each parallel, a different redemptive gift. The first thing he said, uh, paralleling the redemptive gift of prophet and on down the line, uh, seven compound names of Jehovah have been identified that parallel these gifts, seven pieces of furniture in the tabernacle, and we could go on and on. So we do each receive God's love in our own way, and it's based on the different ways He's made us. Learning your identity helps you receive God's love in that particular way, right? Now, you may remember this movie. It's been a while back, uh, but it was called Chariots of Fire. And it's the true story of England's quest to win the 1924 Olympic Games. It's the story of the runner named Eric Little. And he spoke of how he could feel God's pleasure when he ran. And this really is a vivid example of how God designs each of us for fulfillment in Him. When Little was doing the thing that God des designed him to do, he not only felt God's pleasure, but it also brought glory to God. And the same is true for us when we activate our identity. Our identity or we activate our what we call redemptive gift. For instance, and let's go through the seven. The prophet feels God's pleasure when he provides vision to others to live according to God's design. 
The servant feels God's pleasure when he gives support to other people, especially leaders, especially their family. The teacher feels God's pleasure in finding truth and making sure that others know what it is. The exhorter feels the exhilaration of God while he crosses every barrier to tell people who God is. The giver experiences the teeming life of God in a never-ending pursuit of new ideas and inventions. They love to birth things. Remember that. The giver. That's where the passion is. The ruler feels God's pleasure while he is propelled to expand the kingdom of God. So while the ruler is you know, breaking down, say, the prophet's vision and uh, breaking it down into steps and implementing it, because that's what rulers are great at doing, and they're, they're good at that and, and many things that are organizational in nature and uh, building in nature, and that's where their, their passion is. That's where they're, they're just, they can't get enough of that. And the mercy, finally, is most alive in the presence of God and takes God's presence with her wherever she goes. This is, this is the real deal, y'all. And this really brings meaning now to this scripture. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Doesn't that bring that? It really brings meaning to that scripture. Because it's God's passion that gets us where we need to be. Then we can do whatever it is he's made us to do, right? With great joy and great strength. Now let's be honest. There are times I must fight to keep hold of my identity and legitimacy. And if you're honest, you have to do this too. We have to fight because we have an enemy who does not want us to walk through this life in peace, power, and the presence of God, right? Nevertheless, God has ordained that we should live in this time, and this time is no time for sissies. For the Spirit of God gave us not, gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and and self-discipline. A famous verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. And God wants to manifest His glory through big-spirited people. Big-spirited people. Big-spirited men, big-spirited women like you and me. He wants to reflect His glory to a world that doesn't know Him. Ephesians 3.10. His intent was that now through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, the good guys and the bad guys of the universe. The spirit realm is always watching. As believers, we know the scripture tells us that there is a cloud of witnesses that are watching. And so we need to remember that and take hold of our faith and take hold of our focus and focus on the Lord you know, set him before us because we know that he endured such scornful and painful opposition from men. And as we focus on Jesus, who was able to plow through all that pain for the for the joy that was set before him, it will help us to not grow weary and not and not to faint and, and to grow um, you know discouraged in our walk. There are a lot of things we're dealing with, a lot of situations. Um, But again, the part of us that God has designed to lead us is the part that is able to handle the hard things better than any other part of us. We have been made to bear weight in our spirits. And once you begin to really nurture your spirit by blessing your spirit, as I've talked about before, 
and getting instruction for your spirit. You can do that by purchasing these books I've written and and other books by people like Arthur Burke, Ruth Hawkeye, uh, Henri Nouwen, Chuck Whale, uh, Sylvia Gunter. Then as you receive instruction and blessing to your spirit, your spirit will grow just like a baby. (laughs) You nurture a baby, the baby grows. You're going to grow and develop in your spirit and your spiritual authority will grow and your understanding of who you really are will grow and you will understand better than ever what is okay to tolerate in your life and have in your life and what is not okay anymore um, to have in your life. And, and, and instead of it being a sense of being restricted, I know when I first started walking with the Lord and He began to whisper to me about things that I needed to let go of and stop doing, um, I did feel pinched. And it's kind of a, oh, for real? You know, do I have to really give that up, you know, Lord? And as my spirit grew, I began to understand these things were not a restriction. It wasn't something that I needed to be upset about, but I began to feel so much the love of God because I knew that God was showing me what was best for me, and He was trying to get me stronger. So let's talk a little bit about God as our Father Shall we? In your family, you should have received your strongest sense of identity and legitimacy from guess who? Yeah, your dad. Yeah, dad's role is critical. Your father should give you your name, of course, and tell you what your family stands for. And your father should introduce you to God. This is the love you should receive from your father, yet it's rarely the case. You know, most of us have grown up with no strong sense of identity, And we allow our more superficial nature, our soul, to tell us if we're legitimate or not. And this is really not God's best. If we will receive our Heavenly Father's love in our spirits, we will be rooted and grounded for life. And no man and no demon will be able to shake us from what we know the truth to be. And especially the truth about who we are. Yeah, moms and dads, moms and dads, but... Even though moms are great and they do so many things for us, our primary sense of, our most fundamental sense, rather, of identity comes from our fathers. And my dad was very affirming to me. I would like to say I was his favorite. I was the firstborn, um, you know, the oldest. And my dad, when I would come into the kitchen, many times he would say, Dorinda Davis, the the people's choice. And, you know, it was just this funny saying that my dad, you know, had. And I, I remember kind of being like, what? You know, but I knew how it made me feel. It made me feel fantastic. So he was very affirming to me in that regard. Um, but it wasn't enough when years later I could make no sense of my life and I felt like I should end it. So it wasn't that spiritual legitimacy that I needed. I had received his love, my dad's, but I'd never received the love of God, my father, in my spirit. And so now I know that I am a redemptive gift of prophet, and I have a strong need to make sense of everything. And it didn't make any sense to me that I could do all I had done all those years ago and still feel so adrift in life. You know, I'd relied on my own judgment to solve my problems, and I'd worked very hard to do lots of things to prove myself legitimate. Um, But what I now know, and what I want to say to you again today, it's the love of God that will bring you the only true source of legitimacy in your life. When you receive His love in your spirit, you know that you belong, 
You are capable of doing great things. You are acceptable. You are worthy. That you were meant to be born. He planned for you. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants you to partner with him to do the things he wants done in in the earth. With the love of God under your belt, you are now positioned to do what he's made you to do. So listen to Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These good works, some people call it your call, is your assignment from God. And each gift demonstrates a particular ability or empowerment or authority from God. Some would call that anointing of God, empowerment of God. By faith, when you operate according to God's design and you exercise this ability or authority, good things are going to happen, of course. And so you need to expect blessing when you do that. And here's what happens when all that is in place. First, let's look at the prophet. People will get set free because you're going to tell them how God designed them. Leaders are going to get the support they need to stay strong as leaders. That's a servant's assignment. The teacher's assignment is this. Families will be strengthened and unified by learning who, uh, learning who God is in real life. That will be, That is the mature, healed teacher's assignment. They're not up in the ivory tower, isolated and alienated from children and, and wife because they can't handle family dynamics. No, they get right down there in the middle of it and they reveal who God really is uh, in life to their family. And, and they are called to sanctify their family. People from all races and backgrounds will come together to do God's will. That is the exhorter's assignment. The giver's assignment is to create family environments wherever they go and pass blessings on to the next generation obviously in the family itself, but also, you know, in ministry, in workplace situations, the giver is made to do family and to birth and nurture and protect new things. The ruler's assignment will be to significantly expand God's work. And we see this with uh, people who do ministry uh, on really high platforms in our nation and in other nations. And then wounded people will be ministered to and healed, and that is the mercies assignment. And really, these are just a a few of the assignments that we have before God based on our design in Him. God is going to get very specific with you. You know, again, you've heard me tick off these seven gifts and these sort of areas of of anointing or, or empowerment or sort of you know, kingdom expertise that they have. Um, Keep in mind, and this may be another kind of, it's a big idea, that something you might not have really heard before, that in, in God's mind, there is no secular and sacred. It is all His. And so you can absolutely go outside the four walls of the church and be on assignment in your workplace, in your family. You don't have to have some sort of ministry role um, or, or even ministry title to do what God has made you to do and to, to be passionate in it, to be f- very fulfilled in it. All right, so we're going to finish with a cultural pattern does emerge. You know, most children in our culture do go the way that I went. It's pretty impossible for a child to recognize their true identity and feel a sense of legitimacy, know that they're right with God. 
it's even more difficult to understand why God made him and why his purpose and what his purpose is in God if his spirit isn't nurtured. Nurture helps him to know who he is and what God made him to do. And this is called your birthright. It's who you are and who God made you to be. Unless a child receives that in the deepest part of their being, they can very quickly become like a ship on the sea, tossed and turned by life's circumstances. And when there are no big-spirited adults around to recognize and nurture a child's spirit, the results can be disastrous. I was really a perfect example of this. So tender and so intense, mercy and profit. Can you hear that? The mercy is so tender and sensitive, the profit so intense. As a child, I took everything to heart. Things that were said and done hurt me deeply, and no one knew how to deal with me or help me through the pain. And, you know, the enemy likes to take those damaged emotions, doesn't he, from childhood and feed on them for a lifetime keeping us in bondage and cycles of more and more pain because we can get re-triggered. You know, as we age out, you know, we meet new people, we're in new situations, and if those emotions uh, remain damaged and unhealed and they get infected, then we, we get triggered and we just, again, go round and round in these cycles of bondage. We don't know who we are. We feel ashamed, and out of shame, we feel fear, and then we try to control life. Uh, And we're not made to do that. God wants us to depend on Him. So some of the results, of course, that, you know, this kind of bondage can result in are a broken identity, sexual and otherwise, a sense of personal isolation, a fear of standing up for yourself, mistrusting your own perceptions and alienation from other people and from God. Make no mistake. The power of a unique and intimate connection between your spirit and the spirit of the living God, it cannot be underestimated. I think I meant to say it cannot be overestimated. (laughs) We are living in a time, this is really the call to action now for today. We're living in a time of great shifting as our culture becomes more and more hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the truth. It's not just the name of Jesus that provokes the outcry, it's who He is, absolute truth. And wherever truth is being attacked, He is under siege. Thus, we, as believers, are under siege. To walk through this time in the strength and peace that God intends for us, we must know who we are and what He has made us to do. We must get our legitimacy from Him and Him alone, and not from one another. We must determine to invest in the nurture and development of our spirits and our children's spirits so we can grow big and strong in Him and move out into the purposes for which He's made us. Then we will be fulfilled, because in doing so, we will be fulfilling Him. I've made these points today at the end to motivate you to become fiercely intentional about nurturing your spirit. Really, uh, there's no mystery here. Your spirit is malnourished. Your spirit is hungry, thirsty. At best, your spirit is suffering from benign neglect and at worst, from outright abuse. Your spirit needs acknowledging and affirmation. Simply acknowledging your spirit can have a powerful effect on you. God is ready to meet you where you are. One way to nurture your spirit is to simply read aloud the blessing to your spirit in the first chapter of this book 
opening the gift. You know, I don't think I still have your attention if you were not seeking more, the much more of who you are and who you are made to be. Believe it or not, identity and legitimacy is the domain of God. The truth is He really did make you according to His purpose, and it is His design of you and your choice to daily live according to it that'll bring you the greatest sense of fulfillment in your life. So, I bless you today. Finally, I bless you with being drawn to salvation in Jesus by receiving His love deep in your spirit. And for those of you who already know Him, I bless you with increasing joy and intimacy as you allow your spirit to receive His richest blessings. I bless the beautiful gift you are in the name of Jesus Christ. He's going to be revealing it to you, I know. He is the most precious gift of all. I bless you. And that is today's lesson. I'm glad you were able to join me. We'll continue and finish up with this book called Opening the Gift next week. I'm Dorinda Trick. Join me again next week as we explore the beauty of redemptive design that God has deposited in each of our own spirits. Y'all have a great week now. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.